0: What's up Pacers? This is Peace Talks and I'm Will.
1: I'm Caitlin. I'm Alex. I'm Bergen. I'm
0: Andre. And we're going to start off with the news.
1: On Monday, February 4th, there will be an SGA Senate meeting from 5 to 6 p.m. in Flow 110. The Game of Life College Edition will be at 6 p.m. in the Auxiliary Gym. There will also be a WPU Connection Ministry meeting from 6 to 7 p.m. in the Pacer Hub Student Commons. Intramural basketball begins on Monday at 8 p.m. in the Main Gym. On Tuesday, February 5th, CAB presents Hip Hop Violinist Alex Ahn at 7.30pm in the Pacer Hub Student Commons. On Wednesday, February 6th, The Black Experience from Change to Change will be hosted from 5 to 6pm in Pacer Hub Student
2: Commons. On Thursday, February 7th, Peace will be hosting the Identity Through the Lens Film Festival Day 1 to Sir with Love from 5 to 7.30pm in the Pacer Hub Student Commons. There will also be a movie night showing venom from 8 to 10 pm in pacer hub student commons on friday february 8th the career fair for humanities and social science majors will be at 10 a.m to 3 p.m in the tally student union at nc state identity through the lens film festival day two will be taking place at 5 p.m showing lahan and pacer hub student commons the ebony ball will also be taking place from 7 to 11 p.m at AIA building, 14 EP Street across from WPU. On Saturday, February 9th, day three of the Identity Through the Lens Film Festival showing School Days and Black Klansmen at 4 to 8 p.m. in the Pacer Hub Student Commons. Today, we have a special guest coming to talk on the podcast. Stephanie Reed, who is the Director of Diversity and Inclusion here at Peace will be joining us and she'll talk about what she does here at Peace and more about herself. But first, the reason why she's here It's because a couple last week we put on Instagram story to suggest topics, and she was one of the ones that threw out a suggestion of talking about diversity and inclusion. I reached out to her more about this topic because I think it would be a great conversation to have for peace. Diversity is so important. So I was talking with her the other day when we met and she was asking what I hoped would come out of all of this. And I was telling her that I grew up in a really small town where there was no diversity. Everybody was exactly the same. So I think it's really cool to now be in a city surrounded by a lot of diversity. But I don't want that to just be on the outside of peace. I want there to be diversity here on campus and for the student body to feel like they belong and have a place that welcomes them. So with that being said, that's why having Stephanie Reed on today to talk about this topic more is really important and is a great opportunity. So we have Stephanie Reed here. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do specifically on Peace
3: Campus? So um, so I'm the Director of Diversity and Inclusion, uh, and it's a new office, so um, I try to break up the what I do out of that office into like three categories. The main category that I think most people remember and recognize is that I provide like programming and events that are um, related to diversity or multicultural um, interests uh, and what i mean by that is like um, programs that are specifically about a s- identity or race or class or gender um, related topic. so i do programs that are specific to those things but then also sort of programming that is fun but still has some sort of multicultural <clears throat> element like a unity festival or um, I'm having a hip hop symposium in April. Um, so that's one component. And then the other two are um, training and education. So I'll go to like classes and do um, diversity and, um, inclusion training that's specific to students. But I also train faculty and staff. Like I literally just left a faculty development where I was providing them training on how to be more inclusive um, of uh, race and class when they're preparing their course material and their course content, but also um, challenging the faculty to uh, also think about equity in the results of like their courses, Uh, meaning like how the success rates of students, like are athletes more successful than non-athletes? If so, then what do you do as a professor to close that gap? Um, Are first-generation students less successful than maybe, you know, non-First-Gen or legacy students. So I slice up the student population in a lot of ways for faculty and staff and train them to be sure that they can engage all types of students. Um, I also train every kind of student leadership role you can think of. So I'm responsible for training RAs, orientation leaders, peer mentors, sometimes SGA, and at the request of any other student group um, on campus. And then lastly, but I think more importantly, my office has this component of um, support and advocacy. Um, Essentially, the office was created so that all subsets of the student population at Peace have um, support for whatever their identities are or their needs are. Um, So I do a lot of support and advocacy work which sometimes is behind the scenes. So, you know, it's not really evident from just, like, looking at my office or from, like, what you might see on Instagram. But I'm sort of a voice at important tables where we're discussing, like, new policies at peace, and I have to maybe remind us, like, well, if we make that decision, how will that impact veterans? How will that impact students who commute? How will that impact students who work? Um, And it's not that other people on campus don't already do that but I have to sort of like push envelopes sometimes. So that's a summary of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion.
2: And as far as the events, we just had the hashtag TBH forum last Tuesday. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit more about those events?
3: Yes. Um, I try to do like uh, forums or um, town halls or um, discussion kind of events to give voice to students um, Uh, On a kind of consistent basis, Um, because there are certain times of year that some things are important than, uh, like some things could be more important than others, Um, or something could be happening on campus that students need to give voice to um, in a collective way. Um, So the forum, which was um, called Hashtag TBH, really came out of a discussion I was having in my office with some students about how they think peace is like really different, like it's diverse, but they also feel like with the diversity came a lot of separation. So they were like, the campus is not even as fun as it used to be. I wish we did these things, and I wish that um, people came to more events. And so in listening to these discussions, which I do often, um, I thought, well, why don't we just give you all the space to talk about it with more than just me? So I tried to take some of the conversations that happened in my office and open them up for the rest of campus. So um, that was the sort of impetus for the hashtag to be honest conversation. So there we actually talked about um, a number of things. Some questions were asked during and people were able to submit questions in advance. And some of the questions were, you know, from anything like, uh, why is the RA process so arduous? And I feel like it's discriminatory um, to, uh, you know, what, are, what can we do about the fact that um, faculty don't necessarily recognize that so many students work? Um, so the questions were like varied. But what was cool was that it wasn't just students there. There were also some faculty and staff there. So I wasn't the only person answering questions because while my office is here to advocate and support, I don't always have all the answers. So I could point to other folks or say like, well, I'm glad we, that this was raised. This is what I can do to sort of move that conversation Forward. What's most important at the end of it all is that it's a chance for students to kind of ask me anything and then figure out um, if there are themes in what was asked that really say that we have a particular need on campus for me to sort of plan my work around. I hope that made sense. So,
4: some questions were left at the diversity and inclusion office, so we're just going to ask them and have a discussion about them. The first one was, with the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, I have noticed your office advocates for more African-American groups than other minorities. Why is that?
3: Um, so my first answer to that is kind of like a, um, so I'm, I'm a real like informal person. So my first response is kind of like, because it is what it is. Like, right. If we look at the data, um, which I do all the time, um, the African-American student population is the largest minority group. So if the role of my office is to lift up minority voices, um, then you'll probably see or hear the African-American perspective more frequently because it's the largest by um, numerical data. Um, the second is gonna be Hispanic and Latino, and then the third's gonna be Asian, um, So, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I do also do advocacy work Um, and programming for like the LGBTQ population. Um, I also try to um, create space and opportunity for us to talk about uh, where those things cross, which I call the intersections of those identities. So while, I mean, we have queer people of color on campus. Um, We have athletes who might also be LGBT. Um, So both of those identities as a student athlete and an LGBT person are important and have impact on the ways that students feel comfortable, welcomed, or even engaged on campus. So my work is to try to find spaces to interject those kinds of activities on campus. But just at the bare bones, like to answer the question about the African-American perspective being the most visible, it's just because of the way the numbers fall. Um, And if that shifts in, you know, Five more, six more years, which I don't think it will. It might. It's not going to shift at the rate that it's shifting in the country, just because peace doesn't recruit that quickly. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I have to go with what the, the what's being recruited um, and retained or not retained, even at peace. Uh, that's another data point that I have to follow. There's subsets of student populations that we know as administrators are not actually graduating. Um, at successful rates in comparison to other identity groups. So that's another piece of what I have to do.
5: Now another question that was asked is, how have you advocated for other minorities on campus to feel supported?
3: Um, that's a good question. and Because of what I mentioned earlier, like the advocacy piece of what I do sometimes happens behind closed doors. It's not as like evident, but for instance, I just got here like a year ago, right? And in my opinion, the, the campus was already like really behind the eight ball. If you go to most other institutions, they have already had an office of diversity for 10, 15, 20 years already. So I was coming in with an extreme deficit, like what is happening and why does this campus not already do these things on a larger scale. I do think PEACE was talking about diversity um, and, and looking at student identities, but it was so piecemeal, like a, one little program over here, or, and it was all really just programmatic. Like we would have a, they'll have an international potluck. And it's like, that's great, but we need to take the learning beyond eating tacos and empanadas and beef patties in the cafeteria. Like we have to really dig into data Um, and talk about success rates and policies and politics. So because of that, some of my advocacy work is in meetings where I'm talking with the president of the institution or I'm talking with the head of admissions, um, asking them questions about, well, can you tell me why we are only going to these high schools? And with that, I have to ask additional questions. So it's kind of pushing and doing the advocating uh, behind the scenes. But one way that I think is also evident is in my arriving and creating an office that probably should have been created a long time ago, I came in right away and just noticed that there was a lack of visual um, representation of students who identify as LGBTQ. Um, if you go to most other campuses, you'll literally like see a rainbow flag somewhere on campus. And when I interviewed, even I was looking like for the rainbow flag, because to me, that, that indicates, oh, there's some support for LGBTQ students. But I didn't see any rainbows. And for me, that was like a problem that had to be solved, I think, kind of quickly. Uh, while I may not identify as, as LGBT, knowing that the work that I do kind of points out that students who do identify as LGBT, literally look for rainbows to indicate like I can talk about my um, gay or trans or um, lesbian experience in this class or with this person. So with that, I I worked with the campus to create something called the Safe Zone Program. Um, And then faculty and staff, once they go through the Safe Zone Program, they get a sign that they can put on their doors or in their offices that has a rainbow in it that shows students who are LGBTQ, whether they go here or if they're visiting, oh, this is a campus where um, they're providing safe spaces to, for LGBT-identified folks. So that's like one example um, of advocacy work that I've, I've done and continue to do. Um, in other ways, it's, it's about advocating for um, multicultural content to be present in the classrooms, which means Like, let's talk about things that are um, non-gender binary. Like I try to force professors to think of things outside of a binary. So instead of saying, okay, class, I'm gonna break you up, all the boys over here, all the girls over here. So then what does that mean for students who don't identify as a boy or a girl? They're just kind of forced to either follow your instructions or to not engage. So that's another example of like, advocacy work that I'm doing with professors. And then lastly, this is a really long answer. (laughs) It's um, the advocacy work also happens um, on an individual basis. So because one of those three components of how I describe the office is support and advocacy, sometimes students will seek me out um, if they feel marginalized or they're not sure if they were discriminated against and they just want to talk about it, um, or if they think a professor or an administrator on campus is not respecting their identity or just straight being discriminatory or biased, then they'll find their way to my office and we'll talk about it. And um, in those moments, I'm doing advocacy because I then help the student to be either, um, create an, a way to advocate for themselves or I'll just sort of go with them through the process of figuring out were you discriminated against, was it biased, was it not. Um, that's kind of, that's what I'm here for. And so I do the advocacy work on individual um, levels as well. And of, of course, I can't advertise that because you know it's a, those are usually private matters, but what's important is that the whole student body knows that I do that for any and everybody.
4: So how will students know where to find you, or if they are in a situation where they feel discriminated and marginalized, how do they know that you're the person to contact? Uh, like What are you doing on campus so that people know
3: that? Awesome, thank you for asking that. Um, well, I try to promote those aspects of my work every time I go out into classes and just continue to share it. Um, one thing that's actually forthcoming is that I'm literally in the process of writing Um, something called the bias incident policy for campus and so when it's complete um, and when all people attached to that policy and process are trained we'll launch it on campus and it'll be on the web and like it'll be part of the orientation process so students will know oh if something happens this is where I go just like when y'all have like a grievance right y'all are already used to the grievance process you know how to file a grievance against a faculty member or a staff member so i'll basically launch a process in the same way that's connected to bias for all students to be able to go through that process but in the meantime i'm just um, word of mouth telling students um, and through student organizations promoting the fact that you can come talk to miss stephanie about any and everything Um, and miss stephanie will sit with you and then figure out if it's something that actually is that rises to the level of bias or rises to the level of discrimination. Um, and sometimes it doesn't. But just because it doesn't, doesn't then mean that it's not a trend that we as a whole campus have to try to address. Um, I may not have to address it um, with the individuals involved, but I may then report it to like vice presidents and say, this keeps coming up. And while I know that faculty don't intend to be discriminatory, we gotta figure out how to get them to change maybe their policies or their language. or So for instance, like the absence policy in classes, that's a like basic example. And some of our professors, and this is not just a peace issue, it's a higher ed issue, right? If you miss three classes, you'll, your grade drops down to this. And we have to start asking ourselves, is that really an equitable policy? Because if I'm a student who legit has to work to survive, I may have to decide five times not to come to your class. But does that also mean that I'm not a scholar in this subject and can pass the content? No. So then I have to sort of ask those questions behind the scenes like, well then is it fair to say every single person has to come to class every single day? It's just not really an equitable way to do business.
4: With that absence policy, but do you, are you scared that some students may take advantage of that if you do get that changed?
3: Um. Well, I'm not scared, but um, it's definitely a, a question that faculty ask. Um, but in the same respect, we, we ask the same questions about um, students, like different levels of academic preparedness, like all students are not at this academic level. And so the first question faculty ask is like, well, I can't bring all my learn- my materials down to the level of students who are who need remediation. So there's always gonna be the question of, if I do this for them, then it's not fair to the others. Um, That's why it's important for, in my job, to uh, really educate the campus on what are the differences between including, and then what's the difference between including and being equitable. Um, All things being equal is not always gonna help us um, be equitable and fair, because sometimes equalness is just it ends up creating disparities Um, some of the one really it might be an oversimplified example but i use it often like as a mom i think about if i treat all three of my kids the exact same way is that really going to help them because all three of them are remarkably different and require very different levels of engagement one person might need more time with me the other person might want me to get out their face so as a mom, I have to figure out how do I serve them, love them equitably so that they all have what they need to be successful in the world and to feel loved. And that might not look fair. And Sometimes I tell my kids, like, fair is not required of me as your mom. What is required is that I know that you have what you need. That's it. I hope that's an example that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: Another question was, why
3: don't people see you around? <laughs> um. Well, as an office of one, I'm usually not in there. Um, and the times that I am in there, y'all are either in class or somewhere else. Y'all, saying students. Um, so it's really tough being an office of one because I'm I'm in those meetings where I'm at doing the advocacy work, or I'm at in a class training teaching. Um, and then at some point, if I'm in my office, I'm, I'm trying to reply to emails or just do the work of running an office. So it's it's definitely tough. Um, but I try to be visible. I, you know, I go in the cafeteria and eat to, to be seen. And I try to go to events for, you know, other students. I go to, I, I, when I'm asked to like chaperone dances and stuff, I'm, I show up for those things. Sometimes, but I also um, have three kids, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago. So sometimes I'm not going to be on campus, and that's just that's just life, right?
1: So if people do need to meet with you or reach out to you, how would you suggest them to do that in the best way since you're not always in your office?
3: Right. Um, email is the absolute best way to reach me, um, and my email is sdreed. Um, at peace.edu and that's read with two e's r-e-e-d at peace.edu. That is the best way to reach me because I literally have my iPad all day every day so even if I'm in a meeting um, if I see an email that seems urgent I'll respond to it in the middle of something else. Um, Other ways to reach me are just through or not necessarily reach me but to know what the heck I'm doing Um, is to follow student life on Instagram because even though it says student life, every office connected to student life posts things on Instagram, and I'm a I'm an office connected to student life, so I post there. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. And students who are like highly engaged in what I'm doing, who might be in like student groups that I. I only advise one student group, by the way. I only advise MSA. But if you work in my office, I'm launching a new program called Deep. I do do a lot of texting with students, but I mean, I'm clearly not going to broadcast my number on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> uh, students who work with me on a regular basis, I, I'm always texting them. Um, and usually, if a student needs to know me, where I am, and they really need to see me, see me that day, they'll either text or email to say, are you there? If not, when are you going to be there? Because I'm coming up. So let's figure out a time that we're both available. It's not rocket science and it's not like I'm still developing an office. I'm like a pilot flying a plane while I'm building it. So that may change in another year. Um, I may have another staff member who can be a face for the office. But right now it's just little old me.
4: So I think that's a good way to wrap up this little discussion. So you can find her on Student Life on Instagram and then sdreid at peace.edu. So thank you for coming.
3: Thank you for having me. All
0: right, so this week in sports, I'm going to talk uh, a little bit first about women's basketball here at Peace. Their last game resulted in a loss at Pfeiffer. They lost that one 82-66. Leading performers for the Pacers was Michaela Ray. She secured a double-double. She had 14 points and 10 rebounds, and also uh, Mariah Ballen had 18 points, the team high, and six rebounds. They now have an overall record of 12 and 9, and conference record of 8 and 5. Their next game will be tomorrow on the road at Mary Baldwin University. And so now we're going to take a look at men's basketball. They won their last game uh, versus Lagrange. It was 92 to 78. Michael Gaylord had 18 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, almost a triple-double. And Cam Ferguson had a team high of 19 points and 3 rebounds. Their record currently overall is 9-10 and 5-6 and and in conference. Their next game will be tomorrow on the road as well. They'll be in Tennessee against Maryville College. And that's all for Peace Sports. Now for our little bit of sports conversation on what's going on outside of Peace, we're going to start with NBA. And, excuse me, there's so much NBA drama going on right now. And we'll start with Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. So Anthony Davis came out earlier in the week and decided he is not going to re-sign with the Pelicans and he wants to be traded. And there's been a lot of speculation on whether he wants to be a Laker. And so apparently, as time progressed this week, the Pelicans have come out and said they are not... They are not willing to trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Um, So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to play out. It's still kind of up in the air right now. They took Anthony Davis out of the pregame hype video at the home games for the Pelicans. So it's kind of getting a little toxic over there. Um, Also, some news around LeBron and the Lakers. LeBron played his first game back with the Lakers last night. They won, and LeBron almost had a triple-double, and so it's good to see him back on the floor, because the Lakers have kind of struggled without him. Uh, also, a lot of drama going on with Kyrie Irving and the Celtics. like Because, you know, it came out a couple weeks ago that Kyrie came out, and he called LeBron and apologized for how he handled their little split a couple years ago, and that... Produced a lot of rumors. Of, oh well, does Kyrie want to go to the Lakers now? And then when Anthony Davis's thing came out, they're like, Oh well, does Davis and Kyrie want to go and play for the Lakers? So a lot of drama. And then it came out like a day or so ago that Kyrie doesn't rule out a re- uh, you know going to the Lakers. He doesn't rule it out. And then last night, some a reporter asked Kyrie, you know, would you do you want to re-sign with the Celtics or what's your future with them going forward? And I'm not going to use the exact language he used, but he basically said, I don't owe anybody anything. So a lot of drama. And um, lastly, uh, if you're following NBA news, you know last night uh, Knicks star Chris Stops Porzingis got traded to the Mavericks for Dennis Smith Jr., who is actually an NC State alum, for, you, for those of you who didn't know that. Um, and also two first-round picks are going to the Knicks for Porzingis, and there was like three other Players involved in that trade going to the Mavericks, but they're kind of no-name players I don't know who they are because I didn't bother to look because I didn't have to. but you know anyway the the important thing is Porzingis is going to the Mavericks and The Mavericks are looking pretty good moving forward because rookie Luka Doncic I think that's what his name is has been really good for them this year, so that's your NBA news. A lot of drama. Um,
5: Hold on. Do you think that was a good trade for the Knicks?
0: I think they're clearing cap space to go after Kevin Durant. So, potentially. That's what I think. Do you
5: think they're going to get him?
0: I don't know. That And see, that's kind of the thing that adds to all this drama. And it's it's almost like all these players are kind of tied into it because it's like Anthony Davis is going to have an option to go somewhere, not till 2020. Um, Kyrie is going to be a free agent. Kevin Durant is going to be a free agent com- this coming summer. And I don't know. They might be trying to clear up cat space and maybe go after Kyrie and KD. I don't know. So it, it honestly, I think it's good for the Mavericks. But it, as far as the Knicks, I don't know. We'll just have to see moving forward. So, anyway, also, uh, it is Super Bowl week. Super Bowl is on Sunday. Rams versus Patriots in Atlanta. Got a Saints fan in the room. Got an Eagles fan in the room. Well, jeez. Well, same. I'm from here, man. Oh no, I feel you. It it ain't pretty lately for the Panthers. So, any comments?
4: I. Pats, I just, I do not want to see, I and did want to see them in another Super Bowl, no. and I definitely do not want to see them winning another Super Bowl, because I, I just don't want to see Tom Brady happy. I know. I don't oh. want to see
0: it. A lot of people don't. I don't
4: want to see him saying he's going to Disney World, because I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm just, no. I don't want any of it. I don't want, no. no. Pats, I, go Rams. If there's yeah. any time that I will root for another team besides yeah, the Eagles, it's like, it's go still. Birds. It's too, for the Pats to lose. Which like, is... I hate I hate the Pats.
5: Why? Like, I just don't understand. Like, as, okay. the pages, I just don't know why.
4: As an organization, first of all, the whole deflating balls thing, I'm just like... Yeah, that was just... That whole scandal. And then mm-hmm. they, like, handle it so poorly. And then, <clears> as an Eagles fan, obviously, I hate anyone else who's in the Northeast. <laughs> so, I'm just like... Like... Redskins, hate them. Pats, hate them. Cowboys, hate them. Like, anybody in the NFC, I'm just like, I hate you. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a true, like, Philly fan. Like, I, I hate everybody else, and I love Philly to death. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that's my reasoning for hating the
0: Pats. <laughs> Not only that, but there was another scandal. It might have been in 04 when they played the Panthers in the Super Bowl. They supposedly, like, recorded – they tape-recorded uh, the Panthers' practice sessions –
4: See, it's just that like that sleazy mm-hmm. like.
5: They didn't even have to do that though because yeah. the pants are gonna somehow
4: make uh, make the game lose anyway. So. Well, <laughs> that is well, not just, false. Like, for the Pats, just like their organization just has this like sleazy undertone. They do. To me, people like,
0: are tired of it. Like
4: for them, and that I just see that, and I'm just like I hate y'all. Yeah. That and Tom Brady. And I'm just a jerk. yeah. Yeah, I'm just like. Yeah. I hate him.
0: That's all I got for it. I hate him. <laughs> anything Go else, Rams. Alex? <laughs> nope. I'm,
1: I'm Saints. But I'm yeah. Still upset about the. Well, you
0: don't know who to pull for because Rams uh, screwed over the Saints.
1: Yeah. But that all, was all the. That for the Patriots. Oh, my that God. That was ridiculous.
0: I watched that replay oh. from so many different <laughs> angles and I was just like. I
1: couldn't. I just kept getting more angry each time I really watched
0: it. I mean, he got popped and they yeah, didn't call anything. It was. Call not a anything. Good
1: call. It was Terrible call. But I don't want the the Patriots to win, so I'll root for the Rams before the Patriots. It's easy because I hate Tom Brady.
0: And that's been something else that's going on is, like, a lot of the Saints people have been, like, trying to get that looked at. Mm -hmm. and Like, uh, Michael Thomas on the Saints, he was, was like, shouting out Roger Goodell on Twitter. He's like, uh, pick up the phone, Raj. He did
4: about it. But, like, what is the NFL going to do about that? Nothing. They say they're not doing anything. They can't do anything now, but... Like, like, it is what it is. Like, that sucks. But, like, all these people are, like, calling out Goodell. Like, when has Goodell done
0: anything? (laughs) Never. Exactly. So, like,
4: what is is so different about, like, a messed up call by an NFL ref? Like, what's new in that Mm. round two? And he
0: even said it. Like, I think it might have been yesterday or the other day. He came out and was like, "Uh, yeah, we're going to take a good look at this, and we're going to learn from this moving forward. And I'm just like, empty words, empty words.
4: That's all Goodell's got for anybody's end words. Just, we'll learn. When are you going to learn? Because NFL refs are notorious for missing calls. Like, what do you mean we're going to learn? You said you were going to learn the last time. Yep. And then we have this. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get you, Goodell. At all.
0: Nobody does. Nobody does. Except for the Patriots fans. They love him, I'm sure. But
4: If you have a love for Tom Brady, I don't doubt for a second that you have a love for Goodell. Yeah. Like it just goes
0: hand in hand. Yeah, it really does. When you think about it.
4: Like
0: both well, hate. So, yeah, Super Bowl. Eat your.
4: Eat um, your wings. Yeah, drink know. your beer. Some nachos, so. <laughs> Have some pizza, nachos, oh, yeah. all your game day food.
0: It's gonna be great food. I can't wait. Mm. What
4: are
0: you doing for Super Bowl? Uh, going to Charleston. Okay. Kind of a tradition. One of my but well, I'm from High Point, but okay. my guy, he's in the Navy now, and he moved to Charleston, so, gonna go over there. It's yeah. kind of like a holiday.
4: What are we doing? I don't <laughs> know. We'll figure yeah. something out. I just want some wings. Like that's like, my that's Chili. my favorite game day food is Chili. wings, and like Hannah's family always has a Super Bowl party. Maybe we'll go to that. Yeah. yeah. Our, Our brother, other roommate. Super Bowl
1: party.
0: Can't beat a good buffalo dip. Mm-hmm.
4: I'm I'm not gonna lie. I don't really like, like buffalo wings. Mm. I like hot wings, I like yeah. spicy. I want like it to clear my sinuses, mm. it's so spicy. Yeah, that's true. Like or burn as it goes down, party. that's what I love.
0: Feel the burn.
4: Yeah, maybe we'll just watch it at our own apartment. We'll see, Who knows? we'll see where the wind blows us. Yeah. Like, I, this is the first weekend I've had off in like, mm. I don't even know how many months. So I'm like,
1: the world is we'll my, see my what
4: That's right. So I'm just like, wherever the wind blows me, that's, what, that's where I'll be.
0: Good oyster, good oyster. Yeah, the whole world, the whole world. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> the whole thing. Never forget that. The world is your oyster. So, you heard it here first. So that rounds out sports. Well, that did, well and last thing, uh, for diehard Panthers fans, Julius Peppers retired today. 17 seasons in the NFL. Uh, really good defensive player. Um, you said who?
4: 17 seasons the in the, the oh. NFL is like ridiculous. And,
0: and good seasons too. Like, it's not
4: like, yeah. Like, because there are a lot of guys that come in the league and are here for, like, two, three years Mm -hmm. and then just injuries or whatever. Because it's rough. Like, football's rough. And to be, like, 30 years old and playing. Yeah. And 17 seasons. Like, you can't help but just, like, even for me being an Eagles fan, (laughs) I can, can, like, recognize and say kudos, like, 17 seasons. That's Mm -hmm. pretty good. Like,
0: I've heard people say that playing football in the NFL is like getting in a car wreck. Every week, like, on purpose. It's that bad.
4: Oh, it's, oh, yeah. And that's why, like, all this, like, discussion with, like, brain injuries and, Mm -hmm. like, being more aware of that kind of stuff. Like, the calls with, like, roughing the passer and, like, all that kind of stuff. And then the missed call on passing interference. Like, that's why all this is, like, in such discussion. Because these guys are getting, like, pummeled. Yeah. And like, me being an Eagles fan, like Carson Wentz, I love him to death. Like, I love Ginger Jesus. <laughs> but I need you to not get hurt. Yeah. Because a healthy Carson Wentz is a dangerous Carson Wentz. MVP. I know. Tom Brady
0: <laughs> but, snuck it out from under him.
4: But anyway, Tom Brady. But don't but go I'm there. Just like, I'm like, I need a healthy car- Carson Wentz. But it's hard in the NFL. He had one major injury, ACL. Like, I feel for you, bro. Like, that's, that, that was a rough hit. Yep. And then, like, he had back issues, and I'm like, what is up, bro? Like, I just need you to get healthy, work mm. in the offseason. I know he will, but I'm just like, please, Philly needs you. Because <laughs> now we're sending Coles into free agency. I'm like, mm. geez, geez. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. But supposedly he'll be, up, he'll be uh, back in time for Eagles workouts in April, so.
0: I hope sure the Redskins can kind of get rid of their little injury juju.
4: They've got the worst juju. It's I've so ever bad. Seen. It's and like, so bad. I I don't like to see players get hurt because that was absolutely disgusting to watch. Yeah. Oh my god. But I like I don't yeah. want to see like players get hurt. But at the same time, like you can't help but just like look at the bad juju of the Redskins and be like, that's so year. like unfortunate. Semi laughable with like, n- n- like excluding like the injury part and like, sorry you're getting yeah. injured. But like, it's so laughable that like the Redskins, you had like this like big beam of like hope. Oh, yeah. And then it was like crash and burn. Every. And then year. it kept on happening. And I was like, wow. What are you doing, DC? <laughs> like, what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs>
0: I mean, Alex Smith has that injury, and literally the next game, their backup gets hurt, and they don't know who to sign. No,
4: the, the worst juju of it all was on, it was on the anniversary of the other, what was the guy's name? I can't remember. I can't
0: remember. I can't remember. The,
4: the guy that had the major injury, like, yeah. what, 10 years ago? On, that on the day. S- on the same day. Might
0: have been the same, same, like place was that don't a game? I don't know, I don't but really it was know it was ridiculous. Down,
4: whoever, I don't even remember his name and my dad's gonna tell me because like, he's cr- Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. RG3? Come on. No. no. Yeah.
0: Don't even get me Ooh. don't even <laughs> get me started on RG3. I <laughs> RG3
4: was just a letdown for how many seasons did you guys hold him on for? Like that was ridiculous how he many does. seasons
0: you held him. Ah, uh, he got done dirty I think so <laughs> okay.
4: he did he I did. Mean, did I do not even get started on RG whatever and
0: uh Cam Newton, do me a favor. Get healthy, please. Just get healthy.
4: All the quarterbacks. Just... Uh. All the quarterbacks. Just...
5: cam got to grow up, too, though. He ain't got to grow
0: up. Cam, Cam's got to be Cam, I guess.
4: I, I don't care what the heck you do off the field.
0: Love his hat. As long
4: <laughs> as you get on the field, you are healthy yes. and you perform. I do not care how good of a person you are. Thank yes. God, Carson Wentz, is, like, a man of God and <laughs> loves him some Jesus. Yeah. He posts about it, and he's just, like an amazing person who works with kids, he has his foundation, he has a beautiful wife, and like a lot of golden retrievers. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh yeah, he's got like four golden, three or four, That's he so just long got long. a new puppy. Anyway, I know way too much about him. I like him just because
0: of the puppies. I see. Um, <laughs> but
4: I'm just like, you can't help but love him, you know? Ginger Jesus. Yeah. I can always bring the combo back to Carson once. no problem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's funny how much you love Carson Wentz and how much you hate Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens the year he would have won MVP, well, <clears throat> Tom Brady totally took... And, and the thing is, he played... He went out in week 14. I think that was the week he got injured. His number... He had more touchdowns and less interceptions than Tom Brady did for the whole season, and he played less weeks. And Tom Brady still won <laughs> still the MVP. I wish you guys could see her face right now. Like oh, He yeah. still won it. <laughs>
4: Listen, I know, I know, and I'm just like.
5: I mean, I
0: just. It
4: kills me, but I'm. I'm also just super sad about Nick Foles because. Yeah, Nick Foles, fact, I like. This is my thing. This is the thing I will always say: is we Carson Wentz got us to the point where we were the year that we won the Super Bowl last year. We we're still world yeah. champs. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have, T minus two days till that's over, but yeah. we we're still world champs. Um, Carson Wentz gets hurt. Foles, our backup, wins us a Super Bowl. Like, yes, he was a starting quarterback. Like, like before that, he had starting experience. Like, I don't care. But he was our backup. Okay? Our backup quarterback wins us a Super Bowl. I'm sorry, but, like, screw you, Tom Brady.
0: Mm.
4: (laughs) Like, our backup beat you. Yeah. So I'm like, are you really that good? And I'm like, that's a very bold statement. But, yeah, Tom Brady's actually kind of a good quarterback. I hate you. You're good, but I hate you.
0: He is, but a lot of people think he's gotten – I think he's
4: slightly overrated, honestly. Mm -hmm. A lot
0: of people think he's gotten very lucky over his career.
4: I – listen, I I don't like to make a lot mm. of bold statements about football because my knowledge of football is limited to the Eagles and my hatred for Tom Brady. Um (laughs) – hate Tom Brady um but I'm just like I can't uh, I don't even know where I was going with that I just got so caught up on my hate for Tom Brady that I just like (laughs) lost my train of thought what were you
0: gonna say I forgot I was Um, I I was do you want to
4: just wrap up sports we'll wrap it up that was sports today
0: (laughs) moral of the story is watch the Super Bowl
4: yeah
0: Hopefully Tom Brady loses.
1: Please.
0: Tom Brady sucks. NBA offseason, it's going to be good. Oh, yeah. Um, and salute to Julius Peppers. And Cam Newton, please, just
4: get healthy. Just
0: get healthy. Get healthy. I
4: just need all the quarterbacks to get healthy.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know what's going to happen. And Redskins just, I don't know. That'll do it for sports. See you next week. All right, so welcome back to our conversational Portion of Peace Talks where we discuss what's going on here on campus or what's trending. And uh, if you recall, last week we had a little discussion about the couches and flow on the second and third floor and how we wanted those back. And we had a poll and everything. Well, the couches are back, people. The couches are back.
1: They will be coming back at the end of February.
0: Yes. New couches, I assume, yeah, but couches.
4: Yeah, brand new ones. Here, so the comment I made last week was like I was kind of indifferent to the whole thing because I really I didn't have any attachment to couches, um, and now that they're bringing them back, I'm like okay, like thank you for listening to the student population, but like I'm still like. Sure. Okay. I'm, like, I'm here for it. <laughs> like, People are uh, suggesting beanbags now, too. I yeah. saw that on the board. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I could be down for a beanbag. Mm-hmm. I used you. to have beanbags in my basement when I was a kid. Oh, awesome. Well, I popped like a five of them, but they're Good awesome.
5: Thing. I just think about smacking somebody who one want to do Oh,
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> beanbags might be dangerous.
0: I'm going to be getting smacked all the time with those things. I can feel it.
4: <laughs> By who? Alex, <laughs> <Alex's-> Caitlin, <laughs> Caitlin. I'm too lazy to be hitting people with yeah. bags. I just hit you with my words. Ooh, that Ooh. was real that spicy. Was spicy.
0: <laughs> so anyway, the couches are
5: back, and now
0: Andre's going to introduce our... <laughs> I'm sorry. Andre's going to introduce our topic for this week.
5: All right, now, this week I was thinking about some things and just looking at the world, and relationships is... A good or a bad thing for certain people. People may value or not value them in a certain way. So I'm just trying to get the roundtable of how y'all feel about relationships in y'all lives.
4: Well, I think like relationships in college, like friendships, like romantic ones, ones with your parents, like siblings, everything. Everything like changes because all of a sudden you're like just thrown into like living on your own and like it's like fake adulthood. I like to call it. <laughs> Because, like, on a day-to-day basis, like, you're fending for yourself. Like, you have to, like, take care of yourself, like, cook, find food, like, you know, that whole thing, like, be, like, an adult. But, like, when push comes to shove, like, you could literally just call, like, mom or dad and be, like, hey, like, I'm in trouble. And they'll, like, help you out, obviously. But, like, fake adulthood's great. And, like, you live on your own and it's awesome. But it also, like, is a stepping stone out of like your closed environment of high school where like everything is like more like catty and like at least on the girl side i can speak from but like then you come to college and like it you're an adult at this point and like you have to act like one and you know in like some friendships that i had in high school like Before I came to college, I, like, realized, I was, like, you know what, Mm, we're good. Like, I don't need you in my life because you're not being an adult. And you have to kind of, like, figure that out and bob and weave. And, like, everything's, like, super complicated. Everything becomes, like, exasperated because it's just, like, adulthood and, like, blah, you know? So I feel like everything changes. And you just, like, how you grow and develop as a person is like also de- like determined by the relationships and friendships that you keep so I feel like now that I'm older and that I've had like a couple years of college underneath my belt and I've been out of the house and like I, I like genuinely I don't live at home anymore like I don't even go back for the summers I live here in Raleigh and like I just feel like way more independent and I feel like I surround myself with people that I think like people that are deserve that I think deserve to have my time and people that I think I am deserving of having their time. And I just, like, for people that don't deserve my time, I'm just like, see you later, bye. Like, I I just don't want to waste time because that doesn't... That's just, like, pointless to me, you know? Anybody else want to comment?
0: I've had my fair share of relationships uh, at the college level. And... You know... I've learned all I need to know about relationships from those experiences, I feel. Because I know what I'm willing to tolerate, what I'm looking for, and, um, yeah, just what to look for and not look for in
4: people. Well, I feel like you grow with every relationship that you have. And you, like, learn what works for you, what doesn't work for you. So, like, for me, I learned that I'm an independent person and, like, I will call you or text you when I need you. And, like, I'm a person that can ask for help and be, like, I'm struggling right now, da-da-da. But, like, for someone to be, like, constantly there or whatever, unless you're, like, my roommate because you, like, you obviously constantly have to be there because I live with you. So, like, hi, Alex. So, like, hey. obviously, like, I'm constantly around Alex. And, like, we work well. Yeah. Like, we like we work well as friends and, like, we work well as roommates. We, like, are very respectful of what each other's we're in space in our room and the
1: door's closed yeah. and all bother me. Yeah, exactly.
4: Like, like if your door's closed and if like you need them, you knock and like there's like common courtesy like that. Like we work well as roommates, but I've learned in, like romantic relationships. I haven't had a fair share of romantic relationships, like serious ones at least. And I just know that right now in this like point in my life, it's not a priority for me because like I feel like I have all the time in the world to be dealing with that stuff. And, like, right now, like, I'm an athlete, I work, I have friends that I, Business. that I like. And, like, life happens. And I'm, like, and that's, like, part, that's time I don't want to take from other stuff to go towards that. Especially because, like, that's a lot of work.
3: Mm-hmm. Like, yes. a romantic
4: relationship is a lot of work. Yes. Because, yes, you are not dependent on this other person and you, you guys shouldn't be codependent. But, like, you guys are intertwining your lives. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, a, ill. That's like scary. (laughs) That's like that looks like. Too young. I know. Like serious commitment is like scary to me. Like ah. And you know what's funny
0: is we have people that we went to school with, like in high school, and they're already married. Yes. (gasps) Crazy. And they're having kids, and I'm like,
1: crazy. I don't you haven't anything.
0: done anything yet.
4: I know, and just like so
1: much life still ahead of you. Yes. I feel like I want to live
4: life, and whether I find that person, like now or in five or ten years or whatever, like I want to be living my life, and like I know I don't want to have kids till like literally I earliest 26 and that's pushing it. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. like I just want to live life and like know myself before I raise a child yeah. to know how to yeah. do that. Yeah. You know?
0: I got in my first like adult relationship. I
4: haven't had one of those yet I'm Me not going to
5: lie. Me either. I, haven't had one.
0: I got my first <gasps> adult relationship um, the summer after my freshman year of college mm-hmm. and then it lasted into my uh, second year. Slash a little bit of the third, but that's another story. Um, On and off, it, it happens. Oh, it was, look. <laughs> I have, when I tell people about that relationship, they are so entertained, and it takes like 30 minutes to tell the whole thing at least because it's just like,
4: and that's like the short version? Yeah, (laughs)
0: because like this thing will be happening and it sounds like all right, that's it. And then I go, so then you go a little, (laughs) a little bit further and that goes on about several different times. But anyway, that was one thing that kind of started a lot of crap in that relationship. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, I might want to consider getting out of this. Mm -hmm. When they were talking about like stuff as far as like big stuff in life, like,
4: like future stuff.
0: Yeah. That,
4: like, really, real, real adult stuff. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, like, I don't mean to put this person on blast, but they don't exist in my life anymore, and they don't listen to anything I do, so... Don't say names. Uh, no, no, no names. names. Nobody, would know, nobody would know them anyway, but it's just like, they were talking about wanting serious stuff, like, within the next... Three years or something like that? Like serious stuff Is that okay like if I
4: ask if it's like marriage or kids or like both, moving in. Both. Like marriage marriage and kids. Oh and gosh. I'm a, well I mean, and some people cool. are ready for that at an yeah. earlier age. Yeah. And like it just sounds like you guys weren't on the same page.
0: No. And they they were they were like that was like their thing, like they wanted that within three years. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that's, that's three minutes from now. Like that's gonna yeah. go by like
1: that. Yeah.
0: And so to me that's when I kinda started to learn, okay, like this is what I want and mm-hmm. I need to kinda make sure that's what that I'm gonna in the future,
4: get. Whoever I'm dating yeah. knows that like that's my my life plan as an individual is like I don't wanna have do any of that kind of yeah. stuff until I'm, I'm more than more than three years down the line. Yeah, at oh, least like years. That's fast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I, that's, crazy, <laughs> that's gonna go by like that. I mean, that's now.
4: Yeah, that's now. That 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 was like three years. Yeah, like now for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. No.
1: Nope.
0: And I got news for you. I ain't looking for none of that stuff anytime soon. <laughs>
4: I'm with you, Riley. Life
0: is out there, and yeah, yeah. I ain't mm-hmm. telling myself down. I mean,
4: because like we have to worry about other stuff like yeah. graduating. That's a big one. <laughs> Jobs jobs, yeah. post-grad, like, if you go... to travel. Like, if you go to job yeah. route or if you go to grad school, if you're deciding between the two, like, I know some people who have decided their major and have no idea what they want to do with their major. They just know that they want to be in that field. And that is, like, perfectly fine. But, like, you need time to figure yourself out yeah. as, like, a functioning person in society before you start looking at, like, family and kids and yeah. marriage and, a like, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah Yeah. Like, an independent person in life, like, you need to, like, be able to, like, pay your rent, and, like, live independently, like, away from your parents, and, like, off their health insurance, like, all that kind of stuff, like, that's, like, big life stuff for me that needs to happen way before Mm -hmm. I even start to think about bringing another life into this world. God. Yeah. Oh, like, that, oh, that, like, scares me so bad, like, kids. That's, like, I like I coach volleyball. Like, I will gladly hang out with my 15-year-olds twice a week at practice and, like, chill and, like, coach and teach them something that I'm, like, I know a lot about. But as far as, like, teaching everything about life, like, jeez, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is like, whoo I'm, like, literally, my cheeks are so red. That's making me, like, so, uh.
0: I don't even like kids. What? I mean, like, <laughs> like I'm going to have one cuz I got to pass along this. But <laughs> <laughs> I, t- oh I will I I I'll, I'll, I'll like I I'll like my kid a little bit, but other kids I like. I'm sorry, but yeah. That was funny.
4: That's good. That's good. I, mean, I mean I mean obviously
0: I got to like you know. I mean I
4: out.
1: feel you like so. Yeah. No. I have friends from high school who, who graduated like the year after me mm-hmm. and they're married and kids with mm-hmm. kids already.
4: And I'm like, Oh, yeah. You're not even 21 but, yet. What the hell are you doing? But like, also, y- you're from
3: Colorado.
4: Yes. So, like, out there, I know in like Colorado yeah. and Utah, all, it's like, all it's all like you get married at a it's younger still, age. I'm like, I mean, like, sophomores I, in that college. What are you doing? I, I know that people that
5: had kids before they even graduated high school.
4: Crazy. Oh, yeah, I yeah, can't it um, like, like, my, my parents didn't get married till their mid-30s, and they didn't, like, my mom had me when she was 40. Yeah. Same. And I'm just like, that's the way to do it. Like, yeah. me and my brother talk all the time mm-hmm. about, like, how our parents did it right. They got their lives in order. They knew who they were. Yep. They, like, got everything together, and then they found each other. Like, I, like, love my parents. Found each other, had me and my brother, and, like, gave us everything that we ever needed and then made us work for everything that we wanted and, like, my parents did it awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like, like, I always tell people I want to be my mom when I'm older. <laughs> because so my old. mom's, like, her. like, the best woman. Like, oh, I love my mom so much. I lean happen. Like, that is my, like, goal.
1: Shout out to my be- Oh, shout yeah, shout out to my mom. I love <laughs> my mom.
4: <laughs> but, like, because, like, I know that, like, her work ethic and the way that she works, like, tire- like tirelessly. Like, she works till seven, like, most nights of the week, and, like, that, like, that work ethic is, like, something that she instilled in both me and my brother, Mm -hmm. and, like, we will, me and my brother will, like, go to the ends of the earth for our parents, because they did so much for us as kids, and I just, like, see that, and I'm, like, that's what I want to do, and, like, see my mom, like, it's not that she waited till she was thirty five to get married. It's that she found someone at that age when she knew who she was, and my dad knew who yeah. he was, and they both had their careers, and then all, and then everything kind of worked together, and their lives did intertwine, and like everything kind of worked for the two of them. That I'm just like, yeah, I can wait. I don't really care. Like I got all this life to live, mm-hmm. and like I'm, listen, I'll be the first to preach self confidence and just like promote yourself. I'm an awesome person. I know I am. And like, if someone sees that, awesome. If they don't see you, you know, like.
1: Yeah, my parents had me young, and I knew it was all like they had us mm-hmm. in college. So my age. Like yeah. My mom. But your
4: parents didn't get married till yeah, you were. Till 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 little. I was
1: like three. Yeah, but I know, like, it was a constant struggle because they had to grow up. Yeah. Faster than and I was, like I don't want to have to do that. <laughs> like, like I like I know. my mom was a young mom because she did everything with us. She still does. I know, and, like Shout you say, your people. mom's like your best friend. Yeah. Wife. And I love that, but at the same time, like, I
4: know how much much of a struggle it was sometimes, and I'm like, "Mm, mm, not. mm." Yeah. And I think you, every kid kind of learns from their parents, like, what to do and also what not to do, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. you saw in your parents that, like, you don't want to have kids young, and that's okay. And I saw in my parents that I want to have kids when I'm older, and that's, like, perfectly Mm -hmm. okay. You know? And it's just like learning those things from your parents. Like, that's what they're there for, you know? Yep.
0: And I mean, it's it's like you said, like, life is long.
4: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Life is There's long. There's so much to do. Hey, my grandma, Betty. Oh, my God. I. Ugh, Betty. Like, the two women in my life that I love so much. Three women in my life that I love so much are both my grandmothers and my mom. And my grandma, Betty, who's on my mom's side. She is 97 years old. I am, like, she lived life. Like that woman yeah. is amazing, and like she's still like pretty much with it. Like yeah, she's she's ninety seven. Like yeah, like some stuff comes and goes, but like, oh my god! Like, I just know that like she, like especially from like my mom telling me how like, oh well, when I was little, grandmom did this, da da da, and like knowing how hard my grandma worked, and like my grandma had nine kids, yeah. like. Like, she's God. a, tr- like, God. to raise nine children, like, you can't even imagine the life that she lived with nine kids. <laughs> and, like, oh, my God. God. And like, I, I like, that woman, oh, my God. I can't even, like, I'm going to cry. Sheesh. I love that woman so much. I, okay, next. Someone else talk. But I love Betty. People funny.
0: always want to say, oh, life is short. No, the heck it is not. And especially, like, how we take care of ourselves today. Like, yeah. we're a lot, I feel like people are healthier now, or they want to get healthier, and... Like I like
4: there's this whole push th- to like towards the health movement. Yeah. With regards to like your physical health and also your mental health. Because, oh, yeah. Like, mental health has been shown that the healthier you are
0: mm-hmm.
4: mentally, it shows physically. Oh yeah. So, like like so oh it's so crazy how intertwined it is. Yeah. Um but yeah, like this whole like health movement, mentally, physically, everything, like this whole body experience, like this whole body movement mm-hmm. towards it is like crazy and like it's Making us live longer, like jeez, yep. my grandma's ninety seven. Might, well, might as well enjoy it. Like. I know, and like but yes, life so. is short. Like time goes by fast, yeah, but like take advantage of it. But at the same time, but like I'm taking advantage of my younger years. Myself, I want to yes. be young. I want to like, act young. We're kids. Jeez, like that's why it's, I'm a fake adult. Like I'm yes, I'm above eighteen, but like jeez that doesn't mean anything <laughs> like
0: I don't even consider myself an adult I'm just a kid I know
1: like so my parents pay for everything still mostly not everything, yeah. but a majority of stuff and
4: I mean I still so, like mm. when I'm at coaching and I'm like with my 15 year olds and they tell me they're like yeah like you're like in charge of us they're like yeah you're the adult here like what like what are we doing and I'm like oh uh, my god I'm the adult right, here right,
3: right. yeah
4: <laughs> and it's like yeah it's weird, but like I like I love coaching. Like that is something I can see myself doing for years and years and years. But like doing it young, you're just like, "Oh my god, I'm in charge of other people." Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's really weird. Oh my god, what was the even, question that, that was started even your with own kids.
0: relationships. Could
4: you <laughs> I mean, being in charge of kids own kids? Yeah. See? Ya. I well, here's the thing with my job is on the weekends, we like on multi-day tournaments. We have them for the weekend. We are responsible for them for all two, three days, or however many days it is. And their parents come to the tournament, but, like, the girls room with them. Yeah. We are responsible for feeding them. Like, we are their chaperones for the weekend. And that is tiring. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Having, like, nine girls to look after for three days is tiring. And, like, I love doing it and I love my team so much like this is like this team that I have this year is like they're all there's like I love my girls so much they are like like all individually so awesome and then as a team like oh, I love my team but it is just tiring to take care of 15 year olds for three days in a row and like their parents do that 365 days a year 24 yeah, well, 7 like It's a job. Like, oh my gosh, one of my favorite comics, Ali Wong, she was talking about, um, she was pregnant, she was doing a comedy special with her first kid, and she's talking about how she wants to be a trophy wife, and she wants to stay home, and, like, just be a mom, and just, like, walk around the, like, neighborhood in her sassy tracksuit and stuff like that, and, like, have brunch with her girlfriends. (laughs) And then she comes back for her second special after she's had her first child, and she's pregnant with her second child, and she's, like, being a mom is a job. She's like, I did. I underestimated it, like, and all this. And she's like, i don't to be a trophy wife. I want to go to work so I get a break for my kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that is a job. Yeah. And I'm like, and then you work full-time, too. And I'm like, oh, my God, you have two jobs.
5: Yeah. Yeah, but everybody doesn't have that opportunity to say when they get older or when they get their place in life mm-hmm. to have kids and have a family. Some yeah. people oh, have to yeah. start young because of the situations they're put in as they younger maybe their mom left their dad left or they don't even have a family they're adopted
0: yeah. so
5: I get what y'all saying but everybody doesn't have that opportunity yeah. to say oh I'm gonna wait till I find my career or till I know who I am yeah. to have a relationship and
4: I know with like I know with like some women now that we're looking at like fertility for like women and like couples trying to have yeah, children like that. fertility is now being also pushed in the forefront of like hey like Not everyone can have kids. And like, now miscarriages are way, like, they are way more common than anyone ever thought. And because women weren't talking about it. And now that we're talking about these, like, issues with miscarriages and fertility and how it's, like, so much harder to actually, like, have a child than most people think. And then when you wait at an older age, your chances of having a kid are slimmer.
1: Yeah.
4: And,. It's just like, it's all, like, life's crazy, man. So, like, whatever. I not a lot of reason why people are having kids younger. Yeah. Which makes sense, but. Because of all the fertility yeah. stuff. But then you have these advances in, technol- in uh, fertility where you can freeze your eggs and you can do IVF and all these things. And, like, mm-hmm. sure, not everybody believes in doing those. Or can co- afford all that, or yeah. tr- It's expensive it to it do all expensive. that kind of stuff. And it's just, like, all these things are being pushed to the forefront. We're having more conversations about this. There's more support for women who are struggling with having kids and struggling with like miscarriages. Like Carrie Underwood came out during her pregnancy, her last pregnancy, saying like I've had three miscarriages before this one took, and she's like, and that's a heavy burden. Like for some people, you say it's a clump of cells or whatever, but like for some people, that's a child that they lost, and some people grieve those three children that you lose or how many miscarriages that you've had that's three deaths that you're taking on as a person. Like, imagine, like, losing someone in your life, or if you lost someone in your life, and then, like, times that by three. Like, that's That's insane. Because, like, grief is, like, this whole other, like, monster that's, like, really, like, oh, my God. Like, grief is, like, so mentally, like, exhausting and always in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, and to have that, like, three times, and it's not just, like... A grandparent, or, like, I'm not diminishing, like, losing a grandparent, because I've lost grandparents, and, like, it kills. Yeah. But, like, your own child. Yeah. Like, that's what people say is, like, losing a child is, like, one of the, like, oh, it kills people. Like, it literally, like, kills them from inside. Like, people have, like, literally died from broken arms. Because their this stress and this, like, grief has taken over their bodies, and that they literally are dying inside. Literally. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, that whole thing of, like, mental health is, like coming out in physical
0: cuz that's where symptoms. it starts. That's where it starts. Yeah. Really a lot. It's like
4: something is wrong in your body and your body is showing it. Whether it's yeah. mentally or like you're like have a gluten intolerance or whatever. You know, like it's crazy. Like just like all this conversation that we're having now is like so awesome because oh, yeah. It's like giving women voices who have miscarriages and like men voices who also grieve those miscarriages because that's their child too. Yeah. And I think like giving voices to people that aren't, or like having conversation about things that really we don't have conversation about. So like this whole push to mental health, this whole thing with fertility and like all that kind of stuff. I think we just need to have more combos, you know? Yeah. Talk about stuff. And that's yeah. what we're here for. Where did this question even start? I feel like we talked <laughs> for like know. twenty minutes.
0: It's <laughs> like we go from we're going down one lane then. Uh,
4: yeah, we get back to the source, but like this is like the whole like weird thing about like relations- relationships in college is like this is where we're like figuring out Yeah, you have to start thinking stuff. about that in college. It's, like figuring out stuff like what traits you find like attractive and that like work with your mm-hmm. traits and like what things that you're like, that's a deal breaker, like I'm sorry.
0: Yeah
4: like, just figuring out those needs and those wants and, like, deal breakers, but also, like, stuff that you can live with, like, you know, like, my both my parents have different political views, but they don't, that wasn't a deal breaker for them, but some people that is, and both my parents are Catholic, and that was something that was important to them, so it's, like, those, like, gives and those takes, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: You got time to figure it out. Like this is oh, this yeah. is when you're supposed to be figuring yeah. it out. Though, like I heard Oprah say something a long about <laughs> it. <I'm like>,
4: it's <laughs> it's
0: good though. I she, love Oprah. I love she was saying like in her 20s, she was a she was a wreck. Yeah, like yeah. she okay. had.
1: That's what you're supposed to be. In your 20s. Oh, that's God. what she I'm said. Sorry, She's like, this
0: is what your twenties are. I'm a mess. For. <laughs> I'll
1: be like the she first to admit it.
0: It was a clip on YouTube. I passed by, so I clicked on it, <laughs> and she was talking to this girl that was like late 20s and she's she's like freaking the heck out she's like breaking down in the on. she's like yeah I, I think i want to do this but i don't know about this and this and oprah's just like okay chill yeah, yeah. and she's like okay. this you is what your 20s deal. are for yeah. yeah is to figure this stuff out
5: so oh
4: yeah but you say
5: late 20s right yeah she was yeah. like 26 but she's, on, well, she, she's almost about to be 30 so yeah and people and like closer, the yeah. genesis of life something like that 30 is that age where people are like, if you're not where you're supposed to be at 30, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. That's why she's kind of freaking out like that.
3: But I mean... She's still... It might not
5: even have been that. It might have been younger than that. I don't know.
1: But
4: I mean... Especially at our age, freaking... 20s are like when all of us are figuring out... You're supposed to be
1: figuring yourself ...ourselves out. out.
4: And like, I didn't realize how much of an undeveloped person I was. I... That I was in high school until I came to college. I was like, oh my god, who did I think I was in high school? Like yeah. I literally had no idea who who I was in yeah. high school. I mean I'm still like working on it, but like mm-hmm. I have a better idea now. At least I know I'm lost. Back then I did not know I was lost. Like, in like just gaining like that self awareness. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Like figuring stuff out, okay. Mm-hmm. We're, like, I feel like I'm on a path going somewhere. I don't know where that is yet, but, like, we're You're going.
5: are figuring it out. Yeah. We're going. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. It's a process. It's going to keep yeah. going. You're going to learn stuff every day about yourself. Good, bad, and different. Yeah. And hmm. that's it. So to everybody out there, relationships, when it works for you, it'll work. Like who likes you. Very important. And know what you like in other people, and you'll be happy. But also, the mind is everything. Mental always makes everything go. So if your mind isn't right, everything else won't be right.
4: I mean, self-care is important. I feel like self-care is going to help you figure out yourself and then also figure out your other relationships. So I think that was a good discussion, guys.
0: Well, that's going to do it for Peace Talks. And until next time, peace out.